Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hey, friends, it's me, your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. What up? Um, I don't know what I was doing there, but welcome to the show. It is September 16th. It is a Wednesday night. A lot of crazy shit happened today, but you got to wait <laughs> till next week before we talk about that. Oh, the suspense. I'm sure it's killing you. It probably isn't, but, but anyway, as always, Hey, check out our, our website. You can like, and subscribe, check out our social medias where I talk about those at the end of the show. But I don't want to dibble-dabble and just prattle on about nothing because we have quite a bit to talk about, just like we did last week. And of course, last week's biggest news was the official reveal of the next-gen Xbox price, as well as the official announcement on gaming's biggest open secret, the Xbox Series S, S like Sam, and we have some new details. So, both the Series X and Series X will launch on November 10th. Pre-orders start on September 22nd, so that's next week. The Series S, which is a digital edition Xbox, will retail at $299. Meanwhile, the Series X will launch at $499. The Series X, we already know the specs of, but now we have the official specs of the Series X. Uh, Series S, sorry, naming... Naming is hard. The white one and the black one. Let's just just do that, huh? shall we? The Series S has new lower specs as it will not run at 4K. It will actually run at 1440. Uh, just because some people, I guess, don't give a crap about 4K. I don't know about you, but 4K is amazing. Granted, I know not everyone has a 4K HDR TV, even though they're like kind of standard at this point. But I know it's the adoption rate isn't still like... When I say it's standard, that's when you buy a new TV, but I know it's probably not standard for everyone else at home still. But anyway, uh, what's funny is this: all this wasn't supposed to come out till next week, and Phil Spencer was like, hey, great job team dealing with the leak, because Windows Central leaked it on Monday night, and then on Tuesday, Xbox was like, yeah, finally, you got us. Uh, and the, the, the Bluetooth speaker Xbox, as, as, as a lot of people are calling it, it is, um, it is a lesser extent. Uh, it's a lesser s- system. It's actually the smallest Xbox that's ever been made. Uh, like I said, it is two ninety nine, and it does have the same CPU, except it will run at three point six and three point four gigahertz. Uh, it's a custom NVMe SSD, five hundred twelve gigabyte storage. It has uh, 1440 resolution at up to 120 frames per second. It will have ray tracing. It will have 4K media playback and upscaling on games. It will feature variable rate shading. It will feature variable refresh rate. It will have that ultra low latency. So it's it's essentially just like it's not the same as the Series X, but it's not. It's like Xbox Series S then a PS5, then Series X in terms of power. So, like, on paper. It was all on paper. Uh, the Series X <coughs> has 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. The Series S will have 10 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. Its memory bandwidth on the S, 8 gigs at 224 gigabytes per second, 2 gigs at 56 gigs a second. It has an 8 X Zen 2 core at 3.8 gigahertz, 3.6 with SMT. It has a custom AMD Radeon RDNA uh, GPU, but it's four teraflops at 20 compute units at 1.55 gigahertz compared to the 12 teraflops at 52 on the X. Native uh, 1440p 4K support through pay- playback or upscaling up to 140, 120 frames per second. Its transfer speed is 2.4 gigs raw, 4.8 compressed. It has that 512 NVMe SSD storage. It will support those Seagate proprietary expansion cards, which we still don't know how much those cost. 
It will uh, have all backwards compatible, just the same. And it will have a 2.1 port, upscaled 4K. However, however, com- when it comes to upscaling on backwards compatible games, um, um, according to Video Games Chronicle, it has been confirmed that the Series X will not run Xbox One X enhanced versions, but the Xbox One S versions. So we're not getting like the the super badass stuff on the One X, but the Series S, which again still better than what the original Xbox One launched with. And it's it's essentially the most affordable next gen and play next gen games just at 1440p. Again, I know a lot of people don't give a shit about 4K. I have a few friends that don't have a 4K TV, so while they might not be upgrading to next gen, this would technically be the console for them if they were doing that, unless they were going to shell out and get a new 4K TV as well. So just know that it is a little bit lesser. It's not a full next gen console, but it is still a step above some current gen consoles, except maybe the Xbox One X. But that's, again, the Xbox One X wasn't for everyone. But that will, uh, this new one will have DirectX ray tracing and 4K streaming. So it's not, it's not anything. Just be aware it is all digital. It will not play physical media. So just keep that in the back of your mind. November 10th, $299, Series X, $499, November 10th, pre-orders go live September 22nd. Uh, Moving on. Nintendo announced a new Hyrule Warriors game. It is called Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, where you get to play as four different characters in Hyrule. Uh, It is set 100 years before Breath of the Wild, so it is a Breath of the Wild prequel. That releases November 20th. Also some news. Uh, Nintendo has been hinting at possibly having a new Nintendo Switch next year, and and, and a lot of places have been reporting on it. Uh, Now, however... There's been reports, uh, this is per Bloomberg, that Nintendo has reached out to developers. Nintendo has uh, reached out to developers, like I said, per Bloomberg, quote, to make their games 4K ready, unquote. So this is also after we've been hearing about a new Switch model with a better display. Uh, it's already in production, should release early next year. If this is the Switch Pro with a bigger screen, I'm going to be really fucking pissed because <laughs> I haven't even had my Switch a year yet. And that's a little infuriating. Um, I just... Ah, Jesus Christ. If this happens, I may trade my Switch in for that. I'm not going to lie. And I just... It's almost like a Switch Pro. Because, you know, you have the PS4 Pro, you have the Xbox One X. And it's just like, ugh, dude, really? Come on, man. And granted, not many games on Switch are 4K. Well, they, they aren't, I should say. But it's like... Maybe not do this because I'll have my Series X. I don't know. It. While it's really cool that Nintendo's finally stepping up and doing stuff to like match current gen, it, at the same time, it's just like, that's kind of shitty, man. Like, fuck, you just get this and then this happens. But you can't, you can't stop that, you know? It's just... I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's frustrating, for sure. But it's good. It's good on them, because I know there's still people that don't have a Switch, and now they might finally jump in. Who knows? Who knows? But, anyway. Uh, AMD has announced that they will have a some kind of conference or, or showing of their new GPUs next month in October. Clearly not trying to be outdone by NVIDIA and, and their 30 series GPUs. Well, wonder what AMD is going to put out this year, though. They are supposed to support ray tracing, But, of course, we'll learn more next month, and we will be reporting on that next month when we have more information. Also um, got announced that uh, uh, AMD, Ubisoft, has announced, uh, per a blog post, uh, Elizabeth Pellin, the creative director on Skull and Bones, yes, the pirate game that was uh, supposed to come out like a year or two ago, will not be featured on the September 10th Ubisoft Forward, which we'll be talking about in just a bit, and that it will be, uh, quote, in full swing with a new vision, fully committed to launching the game, as well as supporting it for many years to come, unquote. Oh, lovely, a games-as-a-service game. Definitely not what I thought. 
Uh, and also said, quote, dreamt something bigger for Skull and Bones, and these ambitions naturally came with bigger challenges, unquote. She said, quote, how do we modernize the classic pirate fantasy? How do we ensure a more immersive and visceral experience? How do we create cool and memorable moments in-game? Mean, uh, which then they said is equal to more development time, unquote. Um, they had hired new people, and... God, I've been waiting for this fucking game for a long time. It looked fucking cool. Now they're turning it into Destiny with Pirates, which Skull and Bones already is, to a degree. I just... I just said Skull and Bones. I meant Sea of Thieves. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. And and, and it's just like... Can this game just fucking come out already? I want to fucking, like... Bowel around... I don't even know what I'm saying. I want to, like... Just fucking run shit on the open seas and shoot cannons and fucking swing from pirate ship to pirate ship, from mast to mast. You know, and say, arr, you scallywags, and swing around swords and wear eye patches and shit. In-game, obviously. Sail the seven seas on my Spanish galleon or my British man-o'-war, but clearly my dreams are being denied right now. Damn you, Ubisoft. Damn you. But we will be reporting on more news as it drops. When it drops, I should say. Stolen Bones is not dead, everyone. It is not dead. Keep your eyes on the lookout. But also, uh, Ninja has signed a new multi-year exclusive deal with Twitch as he returns to the platform that he left for Mixer just a few short years ago. So if you guys are big ninja fans, or if you guys like streaming and certain stars, that that is the place you want to go. Um, I personally don't watch a lot of Twitch or streaming, and I know a lot of people do, so that's why I talk about it for you guys. I just, I know it's big to some people, so got to report on it, you know what I mean? Anyway, um, what is this here? Got some news. Uh, GameStop has announced that they will be closing another 100-plus stores, which now brings the grand total of almost 450 stores to close in the next year. Uh, they've yet to announce which stores or locations. I want, I doubt it will include their prestige locations, which are like their top sellers, because you usually don't close your money makers. But, I don't know, it's a struggling company. We'll see what happens. But, i uh, got some gaming news as well. You know what I forgot to talk about? Uh, for Xbox. Game Pass, new Game Pass announcements. EA Play, which used to be known as EA Access, will join anyone who has uh, Xbox Game Pass starting this holiday, so you'll have access to EA's back catalog, essentially. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla has announced that they will be moving their release date up to November 10th to coincide with the launch, so it will be technically be a launch title for the Xbox Series X and possibly the PS5 if if we get a release date. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> but also announced uh, Gears Tactics will make its console debut on November 10th as well on both Series X, S, and Xbox One. That is the Gears of War uh, game that is a lot like the XCOM series. It's a it's a tactical shooter, tactical game. Uh, it's been on PC for a couple months, but that will now make its console debut on November 10th. Um, also, we got a new Fortnite edition of Nintendo Switch announced. I should have talked about this when we were talking about the big Nintendo Switch. Uh, it comes with new Joy-Cons. They're blue and yellow to reflect the Fortnite Battle Bus. And then, got some more previews in regards to Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, got a big look at multiplayer on the game. And got some news for next gen and more. And what it looks like... So it will have character character customizations. Excuse me. It will feature a multiplayer mode. Will have its own story elements based on history because it's going to be separate from the campaign. You can personalize your operators and their classified past. You can join the CIA, MI6, KGB, or more different Cold War organizations. It will be set a couple of years after the campaign, which I don't know. Uh, and it has a couple of different modes. First mode is Cold War Globetrotting. And it will feature different locations from around the world. 
including Miami's South Beach, Moscow, and the Black Sea. Uh, new modes such as 6v6 VIP Escort, 12v12 Combined Arms, and 40-player Fireteam objective-based gameplay. Fireteam is going to be 10 teams and squads of 4 face off in large-scale maps that include land, sea, and air vehicles, all while trying to complete objectives. It's a sandbox-style multiplayer mode, and uh, it will feature game types like Dirty Bomb. They haven't explained a whole lot about that yet. I'm sure it's on the video. You can watch it. Uh, you will have different spawning systems. So it's a lot like the big team stuff they do in, in Modern Warfare is what it sounds like. Uh, they'll have three-lane map design to combat large-scale maps, um, different signature combat stuff. You'll have iconic weapons from the 1980s. Uh, you'll have create a class, which has now been simplified, so it's a slog-based loadout system. Different flex uh, More flexibility is being allowed. New wild cards to enhance it. Um, gunsmith, which was introduced in Modern Warfare. 54 different attachments per weapon across eight attachment points. Which is nice because that's more than what's on the, the five in Modern Warfare. Uh, you'll have in-game weapon stats. Uh, score streak has been changed. New vehicles, new perks. Uh, time to kill has been changed a bit. Uh, sprinting will start with a faster burst of speed. Non-suppressed fire will appear on the minimap for all players. There will be zip lines, and it will both have cross-gen and cross-play. So if you're playing on PS5, you can be playing against people on Xbox One, Series X, and PS4. All in the same same thing. And PC. Uh, it will have free post-launch content that will include multiplayer maps and modes. And a battle pass system will be there, similar to Modern Warfare. And Warzone will have a progression journey as Warzone will continue. Uh, if, you have a next, if you get the next-gen version, it will have 4K visuals for consoles and PC... You'll have 3D audio on both platforms. It will have a new threat priority system. And that has to do with audio on those. You'll have directional ballistics. I guess... I don't know what that means. Uh, a bit, have better acoustics. I don't know what is this. It'll have larger, more immersive play spaces on next gen. 120 hertz support for next gen. And it will have ray tracing... And then on the DualSense controller for the PS5, it will have haptic feedback. So, some next-gen features there. That's all available to for people to view at their leisure via Activision. But, moving on. Uh, what was announced at on September 10th, Ubisoft had their second forward event, announcing new games and, and things like that. Unfortunately, still no new Splinter Cell. But we got the announcement of a Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, which will be releasing on January 21st, 2021. Scott Pilgrim, the game, will be released this holiday, re-released this holiday, after it's been missing from digital storefronts and store shelves for nigh a decade at this point. We got our first uh, look at the newly redone Immortals Phoenix Rising. And I just have to say... This game looks fucking great. And it's more of a myth and fun focused compared to what Assassin's Creed Odyssey was. Even the developers was like, this started because of a glitch in Assassin's Creed Odyssey where at one point the game spawned with a bunch of Cyclopses on your ship. Which, I am, I am very stoked about. This game looks really fun. It looks a lot, it looks like it plays a lot like, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but obviously like, with the mythology and fun and like colorfulness dialed up to like 11. So I'm, I'm stoked on that. That actually releases this December on Xbox, PlayStation and Stadia. If, if, uh, if you partake in the Stadia realm, <laughs> but also got announcement for the new extreme sports game called Riders Republic. And it looks like you'll be able to snowboard, skateboard, uh, ski, BMX, rollerblade, all kinds of crazy shit, mountain bike, all in this game. And it looks like they're taking everything Ubisoft has done before with like Steep and, you know, they own the Trials games. And then, of course, oh, what's that other game that they have? But 
it looks like they're taking everything they've done, and, and it's going to be an open-world extreme sports game. There's fucking paragliding and, like, jumpsuits. It looks fucking great, dude. And of, of all the games in there, that was the one that obviously was a big surprise, but also something that I was like, oh, this game looks really fun. And, of course, it's extreme. <laughs> this game, definitely a game that would have prospered in the 90s, but would only be achievable on today's technology, and that's perfect for it. Now, if they add, like, surfing or windsurfing or some kind of water sports, I probably comes in a later DLC, this game could be the end-all, be-all for extreme sporting games, you know what I mean? So, God, we haven't had a surfing game in, like, a good surfing game in a long time. And I've talked about this before, like, Kelly Slater's Pro Surfer was always a fun game. But Riders Republic, I think that releases next year. Um, like I said, no new Splinter Cell, but Sam Fisher will be joining Rainbow Six Siege. And then we also got an announcement that Aiden Pierce, the main character of Watch Dogs 1, the original Watch Dogs, will be a fully playable character and get a DLC arc in Watch Dogs 3 Legion. I wonder what has brought Aiden Pierce across the pond. Doesn't look like they're using CTOS in Watch Dogs 3 in London, but they might be, and I just didn't notice. But it looks like a different company than what was the company that was behind everything in in Watch Dogs 1 and 2. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And a final bit of gaming news here. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, game Kenna Bridge of Spirits, that cute little new PS5 game with the 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 girl with the bow and arrow and the, the little black creatures following her around has been delayed till quarter t- one of 2021. So I guess you could still call call that a launch window game for PS5. Uh, just won't be a launch title for PS5. And then uh, there's a game, I haven't talked about it a lot on here just because I've been wanting to get more information. Uh, it's called Black Wukong. Black Myth Wukong, excuse me. A game coming out of a Chinese developer. This game looks fucking great. They released a 13-minute trailer of gameplay. And these these developers are like, oh, this game, that's not what it's going to look like. It's just we failed. And people are like, what are you talking about? These 13 minutes looks fucking perfect. It's a small team. Uh, They've been working on it for two years. They want to release it no less than three years from now. Uh, and already, they're aiming for 15 hours of playtime. There will be over 100 enemy types, including bosses. It's designed to be a gritty take on the story of the journey to the west. Um, and about the Monkey King. And it, uh, there's three different Monkey Kings shown off in the game, and you have to figure out who the real one is. The trailer is uh, the the part of the trailer they showed will normally take 30 to 60 minutes on normal difficulty. It's an earlier level. And they created four or five different versions of that trailer before they deemed what was ready for release. The demo is entirely playable. Uh, There's different approaches. You have transformations. It will have a test area. It will be the first in a trilogy of games, all on different tales. Uh, They're going to be all black myth titled with subtitles on the different mythology of Chinese history. Uh, It's only about 30 people working. They want to hire more. And they all used to work at Tencent, the company's founders. It is being designed as a premium console game, which they said is risky and unusual for the Chinese market. Uh, They were thinking about outsourcing, but decided not to. They want to hire at least 10 to 15 more people to work on it. Uh, apparently, 10,000 people sent in resumes after watching the trailer. And they said they were gonna, are going to go very quiet for a long time to work on the game until they believe it's ready to be shown off more. And if you haven't seen the trailer, I definitely urge you to watch it because it looks fucking cool, dude. And for a game that's not yet done, it looks almost done, which is insane. These people have incredible attention to detail and hopefully... That doesn't drive them like crazy, and I guess, I don't know, it, it doesn't like cause them to think it's not perfect and not release it. So, 
But that's definitely a game you guys should not sleep on, and I would like set like alerts or news alerts or whatever you do in your phone or internet or thing, you know, over there, and like put Black Myth Wukong because you want to you want to keep tabs on this game because it is. I personally believe it looks like it's a sleeper hit, and I really hope it is one. But that's it for gaming this week. Let's talk about what is going on in the TV world. Just a just a bit of stuff going on there. Uh, Ewan McGregor was being interviewed about the Kenobi show, and it looks like production uh, has been pushed to spring of next year. Obviously, you know, with COVID and all that, they have kind of delayed a lot of production on different things. And I know they're using the different uh the volume as they call it which is what they use to make the mandalorian and it looks like that is going to be used for kenobi as well but obviously next year the sad news also though is it it seems like it's only going to be a one-off it's going to be a standalone season um if there's more he said quote who knows but I hope it gets more, and I hope it does well, because that's not something I want to... That's a show that I would want to just keep watching and watching and watching forever. And if The Mandalorian can get several seasons, I think Kenobi can get several seasons, if it's done right. Granted, if they're longer episodes and, and they tell a story over several years, then that's fine too. Just give me more Kenobi, more Ewan McGregor as Kenobi, and, and I'm happy, to be honest. But at the same time, I'm upset that if it is only one season, we're only getting one season. So it's like, you got to temper your expectations. It's not something that you can just like, you don't want to set them like super duper high, because then obviously things aren't always going to meet them. But you don't know, you also don't want to set them super low. Granted, that could work out in your favor, but then then you kind of become too pessimistic. And, and, and it's something that, I don't know how I would describe it, because it's, it's unfortunate that we're not getting more, even though it was kind of rumored that it might be more. Granted, it's better than just a movie, because that, that was thought of too. But if it's only going to be one season, I, I really hope it is at least ten episodes, at least an hour each, not half hour or anything like that, because they should maximize their their time with him to give a great story that, that the fans want. So hopefully it all works out for the best. Moving on to the other series set in space, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is probably one of the best shows on on streaming services right now, is hilarious week after week, and it is a great like counter to the seriousness of normal Star Trek. But we got a sizzle reel on Star Trek Day, which was last week, about what's coming in the back half of the season for Lower Decks. And a character who I wish was in Picard and hopefully comes back to Picard in in some thing, in some way, is that Q is coming back to Star Trek and he will appear in Lower Decks. John DeLancey is playing him again. And I am very excited. But like I said, I just hope, I, I just hope that they get him to come back for Picard because you can't have a show about Picard without Q but I want to see how he interacts with the Lower Decks crew and how that all plays out. Because that is a massive amount of hijinks that will just be fucking perfect. And if there's one character from Star Trek perfectly suited to appear on Lower Decks, it's Q. But moving forward, the screenwriter on the first two RoboCop films has announced he is writing a prequel series to RoboCop. Meaning there won't be RoboCop. And it's going to focus on a young Dick Jones at his rise at OCP. I I have no words for how much I would watch this. But at the same time, why? 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 Nobody cares about Dick Jones. Like, he wasn't even a bad guy. He just paid criminals to make it so his ED-209 could be the project that succeeded in, in one, not RoboCop. Why do we want a story about, like, he's not even a compelling villain. Like, RoboCop is a great 80s action movie, but Dick Jones is like, 
like a second-rate villain in terms of 80s action movie villains. Like, what? No, just no. Why? Just give us more RoboCop. Where's RoboCop Returns? Where's that movie? I don't want Dick Jones. I want RoboCop, man. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Bullshit. <laughs> Speaking of getting the fuck out of here, The Walking Dead is. And The Walking Dead will end with season 11. Uh, it's upcoming season 11. However, you know, there's a plenty of spin-offs for the show. But at the sa- same time, your favorite character, character Daryl, will be getting his own spin-off. So it seems we are doomed to an eternity of at least three Walking Dead projects going on at any given time on your television screens. Do people even watch the show like they used to? I don't even know. Like, of all things that people probably wouldn't watch in 2020... It's The Walking Dead. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, if you're big fans of the Adult Swim, the Venture Bros, Venture Brothers, well, I got some bad news for you. The show has been canceled. Uh, the writers were working on what would have been an eighth season and were unfortunately told to stop work. And it will not be getting an eighth season. So season seven will be its final season. Also got news that Amazon has landed the rights to the Nick Cage starring Tiger King TV show, which will be a semi-fictionalized account of of the Tiger King story. I'm surprised it's going to a streaming service, but again, kind of smart. Unfortunately, it should be on on Netflix, because, you know, Netflix is the Tiger King. (laughs) That was a bad joke. (laughs) But... Um, <laughs> that was, that was a really bad joke. Um, some sad news. The Queen of Thorns herself, Lady Olena, Diana Rigg has passed away at the age of 86, and I hope she gets to tell Cersei it was her. Probably one of the most badass characters on Game of Thrones. And, uh, she didn't make it to the final season, but she had a lasting impact on that show. And uh, it is unfortunate that she passed because she probably would have been awesome playing like a villain type character in any kind of movie coming out. I don't, I don't know. But uh, Diana Rigg passed away at the age of 86, Lady Olena Tyrell from Game of Thrones. It's unfortunate. Anyway, DC had its second part of fandom this past week. And we got to learn some more about... Uh, more of the, the the shows on DC, excuse me, the Arrowverse shows, and it looks like, well, and some of the other DC TV shows that are either on DC Universe or HBO Max, but uh, the new subtitle for Young Justice Season 4 will be Phantoms, and uh, no word yet on when that will release, but hopefully not too long. Uh, Superman will get a new super suit. In the Lois uh, Superman and Lois show that's coming to the CW next year, Legends of Tomorrow will be getting a new cast member, and then Pennyworth, a show that I completely forgot about because I don't even know what channel it's on. I think it's on Epics. Do, do, do people watch that? I don't even know. But they announced that Lucius Fox and uh, will be joining the show, and Martha Wayne. Will be pregnant. Where where, do, where can you even watch this show if you don't have epics? Not everyone has epics. Where, I mean, yep, it, it's on. It's on epics. I don't know. Anyway, looks like we're getting uh, Lucius Fox and a uh, pregnant Martha Wayne. So Bruce Wayne will feature in the show in some capacity here. So yeah, the Batman mythos is growing, if you will. <laughs> A lot of dumb jokes today. Um, that's it for TV news today. I told you to be quick. I told you to be quick. It's mostly gaming, and then we got a lot of movie stuff today. But what's going on in Hollywood? So, how about this? Apparently, apparently, Borat Two has already been filmed, completed, and screened for test audiences, which is insane. It was shot on location in L.A. Nobody knows what's going on. And this is from Collider. It's unclear who is paying for the sequel, but it wouldn't surprise us if Borat 2 was being financed by a deep-pocketed streamer. 
Some believe it will be released prior to the election in an effort to reach younger voters. That's from Collider on Borat 2. Oh my god. People saw him on Facebook. And I just, oh my god. If they make a new Borat, I will be in shock. Yeah, so some, but somebody was filming him dressed as Borat driving a truck being followed around by a movie crew in a van filming him driving. Which is rare, because most of the time they'll put the vehicle on the back of a, like, flatbed. But, oh god, I would want an Ollie G movie before a Borat 2. Like, don't get me wrong, Borat was cool, but, like, it's not funny anymore, because it got overplayed. And just everybody, very nice. You know, like, it's like you hear that and you just like, shut up, dude, right? Because it's overplayed and obviously a, a Bruno 2 will probably never get made but yeah anyway uh, new Oscar rules have been announced um, that will go into effect for the 2025 Oscars and oh no no sorry it starts for the 94th and 95th so 22 and 23 uh, quote, for the 94th and 95th Oscars, submitting a confidential Academy inclusion standards form will be required for Best Picture consideration. However, meeting inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the Best Picture category until the 96th Oscars in 2024. So, these, uh, when the 96th Oscars happens, a film must meet two out of four of the following standards. Standard A, on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. To achieve Standard A, a film must meet one of the following criteria. A1, lead or significant supporting actors. At least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Asian, Hispanic, Latinx, Black, African American, Indigenous, Native American, Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, other underrepresented race or ethnicity. A2, general ensemble cast. At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, or who are deaf or hard of hearing. A3, main storyline subject matter. The main storyline's theme or narrative of the film is centered on an underrepresented group. Women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ, people with cognitive or physical disabilities who are deaf or hard of hearing. Standard B, creative leadership and project team. To achieve standard B, the film must meet one of the criteria below. B1, creative leadership and dependent department heads. At least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads. Casting director, cinematographer, composer, costume designer, director, editor, hairstylist. Makeup artist, producer, production designer, set decorator, sound, VFX supervisor, writer are from the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ, people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. At least one of those positions must belong to the following underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Asian, Hispanic, Latinx, Black, African American, Indigenous, Native American, Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, other underrepresented race or ethnicity. B2, other key roles. At least six other crew team and technical positions, excluding production assistants, are from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. These positions include, but are not limited to, first AD, gaffer, script supervisor, etc. B3, overall crew composition. At least 30% of the film's crew is from the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ, people with cognitive or physical disabilities or are deaf or hard of hearing. Standard C, industry access and opportunities. So hold on, I'm just, this is a lot. It's it's mostly repeat. And obviously they're trying to make sure everything goes nice and smoothly for the future. And uh, to achieve standard C, film must meet both criteria below. Paid apprentice internship. Paid apprenticeship and internship opportunities, obviously the same groups, Um, or, hold on, major studios distributors are required to have substantive ongoing paid apprenticeships, internships, inclusive of of underrepresented groups, 
and in the most following departments, production, development, physical production, post-production, music, VFX, acquisitions, business affairs, distribution, marketing, and publicity. The mini major or independent studio distributors must have a minimum of two apprentices interns from the above underrepresented groups in those same categories. Uh, C2 training opportunities and skills development. Films production, distribution, and, and or financing company offers training and or work opportunities for below the line skill development for people of the following upper underrepresented groups. Also standard D audience development, representation and marketing, publicity and distribution, and all that stuff for best picture, which is funny because a lot of the past best picture winners would not have qualified. Oh, whatever. I get it. It's kind of dumb in a way that they're forcing movies to, to like you could have a movie that's fucking perfect but if it doesn't meet those standards it's not going to qualify so it's like you're hurting some filmmakers and at the same time you're helping a lot of other filmmakers so it 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 it's a give and take and maybe they'll adjust things if it doesn't work the way it's intended to in the next couple of years who knows Anyway, uh, Daisy Ridley was being interviewed, and it has to do with, I guess she was being interviewed by Josh Gad when she was hosting, guest hosting Jimmy Kimmel Live, and it just proves that J.J. Abrams is a fucking dipshit and never should have been put in charge of fucking Star Wars, because according to her, quote, no, at the beginning of episode seven, Oh, no, excuse me. At the beginning, there was toying with an Obi-Wan connection, and then there were, like, different versions, and then it really went to that she was no one. And then it came to episode 9, and J.J. pitched me the film and was like, oh, yeah, Palpatine's your granddaddy. And I was like, awesome. And then two weeks later, he was like, oh, we're not sure. So it kept changing. So then, I guess it says audio cuts out, filming, and I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. And... I just, this is so fucking stupid. And it just proves that, God, if they had picked a different director, things would have just gone fucking smoothly, and they probably would have had a nice planned out story, and I don't know if it's because J.J. was fucking brought in to to wrap it up because they didn't like what Colin Trevorrow was doing, and it, it's it's fucking frustrating that obviously J.J. liked what Ryan Johnson did, making her a nobody, and obviously that that makes a lot more sense in the grand scheme of things because making her a Palpatine just makes the galaxy a lot smaller, which they kind of did in the sequel trilogy in general. But fuck you, J.J., dude. Like, that should have been fucking planned from the goddamn beginning. Who she was... And if she was related to someone, I, I just, it, it just, it is, uh, it is so angry. It makes me so fucking angry that this is what it was. And it just shows that he fucking like bullshitted his way through episode seven. And then Ryan Johnson tried to do something legitimate with, with, with the last Jedi and then J.J. has to fucking course correct. And granted, he put out a serviceable movie for Nine. It's just... And, and I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. The Last Jedi is still better. But, like... It, it, it's... Fuck you, J.J., dude. I don't want you touching fucking anything. I don't care if you're making Superman shit. I don't care if you're doing DC shit. Go away. Go the fuck away. Go play in your stupid Kelvin Star Trek universe that now has fucking backed them into a corner in, in their storytelling. Go and and just play around and break someone else's franchises that I don't care about. Because you've ruined the ones I do. And you just... Ugh, it is fucking frustrating. It is just annoying... And, uh, dude, this is annoying. It's so freaking annoying. And it pisses me off that it comes out now that he just didn't know what the fuck he was doing.
and it, it shows. It fucking shows. And partly, I'm going to be mad at Kathleen Kennedy for really the first fucking time. And it just... Why did you pick JJ? Just why? The dude does not know how to finish the story, and that's evident in Alias, in fucking Lost, in pretty much anything he's fucking touched. Look at look at how Cloverfield turned out. Nice big highs, and then it fucking crashed and burned with Cloverfield Paradox. So, I, I don't even want to fucking talk about this anymore. Just, Kathleen, keep letting John Favreau and Dave Filoni do what they're doing. Alright, let Ryan Johnson play around and do smart things. Let Taika do fun things. Just don't let J.J. come within five fucking inches of a galaxy far, far away, right? Just keep him the fuck back because he's a fucking dipshit and he ruined everything. In other good news, we got our first look at Denny Villanueva's Dune, and I must say, color me intrigued. And yes, I'm sure you're all wondering, but Nick, you can't even fucking make it through Blade Runner. And you like Dune? Yes, I like Dune, surprisingly. Dune, to me, it's a slow, slow fucking burn. But I really dig the old Dune movie with, like, Patrick Stewart and... and um, <laughs> Patrick Stewart, he's like a minor character in that movie. Uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Twin Peaks. Anyway, uh, Paul Atreides, as, as his character is named, now being trade portrayed by uh, T- Timothy Chalamet but this movie looks so good, Denny Villanueva knows how to make a fucking sci-fi movie Arrival was great and this Dune movie looks to be on par with what Frank Herbert originally imagined for his epic of books that he wrote and now that I'm seeing he's French Canadian, I've probably been saying his name wrong, it's probably Villanueva uh, I'm going to try Villanueva I can't speak French. But anyway, he's made some great fucking movies. He directed Prisoners. He directed Enemy. He directed Sicario. Great fucking movie. Blade Runner 2049. Arrival, I already said. So he's made some great fucking movies. And I am very excited to see what Dune turns out to be. As it is definitely going to be something worth watching. Uh, if you'd never watched the original, maybe do, don't, I don't know. This one looks fucking cool. Definitely check out the trailer. If you have a 4K anything, definitely try watching the trailer in 4K because it, it will look immaculate. And there's a lot of actors in this film, and I, I think it will all come together. But Dune, trailer out now. That movie is now coming out next year, I think. It's supposed to come out at Christmas time. In most epic, excellent news, Neve Campbell will be reprising her role in Scream 5, which makes me excited, as it is not a reboot of the series. If it is, it will be a soft reboot, considering most of the original cast is back. So it's it's nice to be able to keep watching a great franchise that has awesome potential because of its meta-narrative regarding horror films and things like this. And it's it's a fun slasher movie. Slasher movies don't really exist in today's world. And yes, Halloween came back, but but Scream reinvented them, and it's it's fun to see most of the original cast returning for Scream 5. Um, also, uh, Ludacris and uh, Michelle Rodriguez were given some interviews, and it looks like Fast 9 will possibly go into space. I mean, there was a rumor floating around in, you know, a couple months ago from The Hollywood Reporter saying that they were going to space from Ludacris. And I just, this is, this is asinine. (laughs) Seth Rogen tweeted, about 10 years ago, me and Evan Goldberg were with one of the producers of the Fast and Furious franchise. Evan said as a joke, they should go to space. The producer looked at us dead serious and said, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god, that's hilarious. But oh man, space, dude. Space? Space. Space for Fast and the Furious? Come on. Come on. 
Really? Get out of here. Stop. Stop. Just go back to just... Like, you don't have to be grounded, but just... Space? They're just going to become even more of a joke at that point. Just don't go to space. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, a movie that I have been waiting ages to see at this point. It's supposed to come out in June. Then it got delayed. Has been delayed again. As Wonder Woman will now shift from October to Christmas Day. Which begs the question... What is the new date for Black Widow? Not when if Black Widow get, will get delayed, but when is the new release date for Black Widow? Because we know it is going to be delayed in this hell that is 2020. Fuck this year, man. Just, can we just get to 2021 already? Jesus Christ. Anyway. Uh... We did get some movie news at a DC Fandom, even though most of the movie stuff was done at their first DC Fandom event. But a uh, virtual Q&A was held with Andy Muschietti, the director of the Flash film, and Ezra Miller. And I guess the producer said, I want you to go see it, so I'm not going to tell you a lot. But I, w I will tell you is that it's a ride. It's going to be fun and exciting, and there are a lot of DC characters in it. Flash is the superhero of this film, because he is the bridge between all of these characters and timelines. And in a way, it restarts everything and doesn't forget anything. Our movie Flash is based on Flashpoint, but it's not going to be exactly like Flashpoint, said director Andy Muschietti. Our movie is inspired by the original comic book saga, so you're going to find a lot of surprises and new events. And a lot of thrilling things that are not in the comic book. Uh, so what that means is no Wonder Woman, no Aquaman, and probably no Cyborg. And I'll hint at the Cyborg stuff in a second. But yeah, I don't like the restart, but I do like the restart as long as they don't replace Batfleck in the DCEU. Like, he doesn't have to have any more movies, but as long as, like, he's still Batman in that timeline, then I'm good. I'm good with everything else, because I like the people they've cast, and I like where the story's going. Speaking of which, uh, let's talk about Justice League for a second. Uh, a while back, we talked about Ray Frisher accusing, you know, Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns and stuff of having being a hostile work environment. Uh, Warner Brothers has concluded their, I guess, um, independent investigation. And Warner Brothers released a statement saying, uh, quote, In July, Ray Fisher's representatives asked DC Films President Walter Hamada to talk to Mr. Fisher about his concerns during the production of Justice League. The two had previously spoken with Mr. Hamada, asked him to reprise his role as Cyborg in Warner Brothers' upcoming Flash movie, together with other members of the Justice League. In their July conversation, Mr. Fisher recounted disagreements he'd had with the film's creative team regarding his portrayal of Cyborg and complained that his suggested script revisions were not adopted. Uh, Mr. Hamada explained that the creative differences are a normal part of the production process and that the, a film's writer-director ultimately has to be in charge of these matters. Notably, Mr. Hamada also told Mr. Fisher that he would elevate his concerns to Warner Media so they could conduct an investigation. At no time did Mr. Hamada ever... ever throw anyone under the bus, as Mr. Fisher has falsely claimed, or render any judgments about the Justice League production in which Mr. Hamada had no involvement, since filming occurred before Mr. Hamada was elevated to his current position. While Mr. Fisher never alleged any actionable misconduct against him, Warner Media nonetheless initiated an investigation into the concerns he'd raised about his character's portrayal. Still not satisfied, Mr. Fisher insisted that Warner Media hire an independent third-party investigator. This investigator has attempted multiple times to meet with Mr. Fisher to discuss his concerns, but to date, Mr. Fisher has declined to speak to the investigator. Warner Brothers remains committed to accountability and to the well-being of every cast and crew member on each of its productions. It also remains committed to investigating any specific and credible allegation of misconduct, which thus far Mr. Fisher has failed to provide. Uh, this is all in regards to him claiming that... Fisher said he was reprimanded for complaining up the chain. Uh, Joss Whedon ran a toxic and hostile set. 
Jeff Johns and John Berg didn't do anything when complaints were made. But as it got deeper and deeper, uh, Ray Fisher fired back and uh, saying that... Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Ray Fisher said that it wasn't an independent investigation. And hold on, this is this is what he said in response. On Twitter, Ray Fisher said, Thank you all for the support and for seeing through what WB Pictures' desperate and scattershot attempt to discredit me to, to continue protecting those in power. I met with the investigator via Zoom on August 26th. Below is an email I sent to my team and SAG-AFTRA immediately after. Um... He also said, it's worth noting that I made it clear to the world on August 21st that I would be vetting the investigator to ensure a fair and protected process for all witnesses. WB Pictures has escalated this to an entirely different level, but I'm ready to meet the challenge. Um, He also said in the email to SAG-AFTRA that uh, had been put on the case by Warner Brothers Pictures, not Warner Media, and someone else was on the call he'd not been made aware of beforehand. Then... It's it's turning into a big thing. Uh, Jason Momoa, though, has entered the fray and has tweeted, I stand with Ray Fisher. He's been the first cast member to do so. And he said on his own Twitter account, or Instagram, he said, this shit has to stop and needs to be looked at by Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of WB Pictures needs proper investigation. He also said... Quote, I think it's fucked up that people released a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to, t- to try and distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League reshoots. Serious stuff went down. It needs to be investigated and people need to be held accountable. Uh, he talked about, so um, an, a press release came out saying he was going to be the new voice of Frosty the Snowman and it was being produced by Jeff Johns and Jason Momoa was like, I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. Uh, Ray Fisher also came out and said that the announcement about Ben Affleck coming back for the Flash movie got leaked early because they were trying to distract again from all this, even though it was supposed to be at Fandome, but it came out early. So this is a big fight that's brewing. Hopefully they get it figured out because Ray Fisher is a great cyborg, and I just hope he gets his due. And I hope... Granted, this isn't the first fucking time shit has come out about Joss Whedon. Remember, DC has already fired him from Batgirl. And other shit has come out about him in general that we've talked about in the past. So, if Jason Momoa is going to come out and support him, then I'm going to throw a little bit more credence behind this and believe more people that multiple actors now are coming out and saying they were treated shittily by a director that came in to fill in the gaps and produced an ultimately shitty product. Excuse me. And hence why the Snyder Cut is coming. But... That's all I have to say. And hopefully we get more news and an answer on this soon. But it's just shitty overall. Um, And then uh, Ridley Scott was being interviewed in regards to a potential Alien 6. He pretty much put the kibosh on any future Alien movies involving any connections to Prometheus or Covenant. (laughs) And uh, probably not going to be another Alien anyway either, it seems like. It honestly seems like he's fed up with what he called a, God forbid, use the term franchise. Franchise Seems like he does not want to call it a franchise. Oh man, I feel for that man. That man has done so much and people shit on his movie. But uh, Chris Hemsworth was being interviewed by a magazine in Poland. And they asked him about Thor 4 and he had nothing but praise for the script. Which is a good thing. Because he said he loved Ragnarok and this script is even better. So... Hopefully Thor 4, Thor Love and Thunder turns out to be really good. With Taika at the helm, I'm not worried, though. And then, final bit of news, we're going to circle back here to Lucasfilm and Star Wars. Uh, John Boyega has called out Lucasfilm for quote-unquote sidelining non-white characters. And I guess uh, he was interviewed by GQ Magazine, and he said that he felt he had been portrayed to be much more important than he actually was. Uh, He said, quote, It's so difficult to maneuver. You get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is, do not bring out a black character. Market them to be much more important than the franchise than they are 
and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. Uh, he said other characters that were of color were suffered the same treatment. Uh, he said a brother from Guatemala, and it was there were sideline quote to in favor of giving all the nuance to their white co-stars. He said like quote. Like, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people. But when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know, fuck all. So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great, a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver. All the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Da- Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. And... People said to read the entire article, because granted, a lot of things can be taken out of context. Uh, he tweeted, quote, These conversations and me sharing isn't about a witch hunt. It's about clarity to an anger that can be seen as selfish, disruptive, and self-indulgent. Obviously in hopes of better change, bruh. In short, I said what I said. Love to you all, seriously. Your support is amazing. And I, I get that. 100% get that. I, Finn is a very good character who I felt and looking back and I'll admit looking back he probably could have been given a lot more but that's mostly more of a criticism at Rise of Skywalker because Finn and Kelly Marie Tran or Rose Tico were a major part of The Last Jedi and a lot of parts that people didn't like but I liked the stuff on Canto Bite and it just you know, I I can I can totally agree with what he's saying. And it is true that they build these people up as like the main trio, but then as you get to you know, they're supposed to be the the replacements for the cast. And I I like what they did with Adam Driver, I'm not going to lie. But at the same time you can kind of and and it perfect examples Rise of Skywalker as well with what they did with Rose Tico. You take a character who's almost the main character in in Rise of in uh, the Last Jedi, and then she's pretty much reduced to like five lines in in Rise of Skywalker, and it's it's a big giant course correction because they listen to all the shitty toxic people on Twitter, and yes, you can see that they they pushed some characters to the side, and it's unfortunate he feels this way. And I wish it could have been rectified, and I hope, I really hope that someone comes out and apologizes. And I'm happy that people support him and agree with him, and I do too, because I wish Finn had a little bit more in in Rise of Skywalker, because he was kind of just... Yes, we got more Poe, and that's always good too, but it just, you can tell that a lot of shit that was built up in 7 and, and 8 kind of got thrown out the window in 9. It goes back to my earlier points I was saying about JJ just being a fucking dipshit. And you know what? Fuck all, man. It's over. It's done. Just let's have a better future for Star Wars is all I'll say. And those rumors swirling that they're going to redo the sequel trilogy can go fuck off. Because A, that's never going to fucking happen. Disney's not going to dump that kind of money, especially after 2020. And B, that's the stupidest fucking thing. It happened, it's over, it's done, you don't like it, too fucking bad. People don't like the fucking prequels, they're not going to remake the fucking prequels, okay? So get the fuck out, there's the fucking door, you don't have to stick around anymore. People still love Star Wars regardless. But, whatever dude. I'm not getting heated, this is the end of the show. Anyway, a couple more things (laughs) to wrap up here. Uh, Willy Wonka is now a real person. Uh, the founder of Jelly Belly has announced a golden ticket competition. <laughs> yes. Uh, per KTLA, uh, he said, this is the Jelly Belly founder, David Klein, quote, it's going to be a treasure hunt across the whole entire country. We're going to be hiding these golden dog tag-like necklaces. We've already hidden quite a few of them in every state. Uh, What you'll win is $5,000 and a separate grand prize of receiving a key to a candy factory going to just one ultimate winner. (laughs) So it's it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but for jelly beans. (laughs) You can also purchase a riddle instead to try and win. Uh, You can buy different things. Um, I don't know. This is interesting, for sure. 
Uh, like I said, you can buy your golden ticket for 50 bucks to get the riddle. If you find the necklace, you'll get five grand. Uh, all players will be able to join in on the ultimate treasure hunt at a later time. But uh, you can all win to win the ca candy factory. Oh, okay. Um, despite founding Jelly Belly, he has nothing to do with the company any longer. He sold his shares in the 80s. He started two additional candy-like companies, so maybe he's giving away one of those. Um, he said, we're going to have the ultimate treasure hunt where, where the winner will be receiving a key, a key to one of our candy factories. We're looking for you, Charlie. <laughs> Funny. But it has nothing... If it was Jelly Belly, fuck, dude, I don't want some other jank-ass candy factory. I want the fucking Jelly Belly factory, dude. Have you ever been on the tour? It's up in, like, it's up near uh, Napa. It's a fucking awesome tour, dude. But, uh, and then final bit of news, uh, ByteDance, the company behind TikTok, has announced that it will not be selling to Microsoft, but Oracle, uh, Larry Ellison, has won out. Uh, ByteDance will instead be going with Oracle as the bidder, uh, top bidder, and it will be announced as TikTok's trusted tech partner in the U.S. Uh, after the president pretty much forced their hand, trying to force them to sell uh, as it's been looked at as a security uh, issue in the U.S. And, you know, Microsoft thought they were going to get it, of course. But it, it has to do with their U.S. operations. They're owned by a Chinese company that has ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And it's a security risk and all this blah, 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 blah. TikTok's fucking stupid. Uh, that's it for Nixon Nerd News this week. Thanks, guys, for sticking around. Uh, hope to see you guys next week. I'm happy to be your constant in 2020. Uh, as always, check out nixnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show in right in your browser, or you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, and op Apple Podcast pages. Um, also, while you're there, check out our social tab so you guys can see our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Post a lot of funny memes, not my own. But uh, if not, look for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at nixnerdnews. Thank you guys for listening. I will catch you guys on the flip side.